Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're coming to you right now from Sioux City, Iowa, Bishop Heelan High School boardroom. What a great place to be. Great yeah. time to be alive. There's a lot that happens in this boardroom. Big staff meetings, mm. sometimes discipline meetings with students, parents, and administrators. Ooh, and even bigger, Outcast Catholic podcast being recorded right here, right, right now. now. This is um, a day of short sleeve tab clerical shirts because um, <laughs> it's a little, it's it's not terribly hot out, um, but today, Zach Jones Seminary, who, who's staying with me in Lamar's, we were we went to Pete's Ranch today. He he goes to school in Rome, obviously, as you know, Father Shane, but for our listeners, and he said, uh, he grabbed me today and goes, you got lunch plans? I said, no. He's like, um, I want pizza. I haven't been to a pizza ranch since I've been back in, in Northwest Iowa, so we're going to Pizza Ranch. Okay. For listeners outside of Iowa, Pizza Ranch is a pizza chain that um incorporates both fried chicken and um western kind of cowboy um decor right which is unique from hall iowa but we went there today and we were walking on the street together we look like we're in a like a uniform we both had the short sleeve tab shirts and now we both are wearing the same same uniform today i would have put a cassock on if i would have known if oh were you offended that we were going to have the same wardrobe today a little bit it just looks a little bit like Like Mormon missionaries with the short sleeve white shirts walking around, you know. Well, we we are just recording audio here. We are so. right, so they're not seeing us. That's good. Yeah. Anyways, well, we've um, we haven't been on the podcast together for a few weeks now, but we've seen each other at some stuff. No, we've been crossing paths a lot. A lot going well, on. It's so been a busy summer this summer. Yeah, we were just at Steubenville of the North Rochester, Steubenville North, Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, it was a good time. It was my first Steubenville conference as a priest. I know. What'd you think? It was incredible. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, They're powerful. They really are. Yeah. Five hours of confession or something. I think that's what it ended up being after. I told you. Get a backpack, your bravery, a stole, and a water bottle, and you just go all weekend. You just go. And what's, (laughs) in some ways, it's a little bit more relaxed than being a chaperone because you're not constantly, like, keeping track of students. Right. But those, yeah, those confessions are just beautiful. When people Mm -hmm. are so kind of primed and open to the Holy Spirit, it was wonderful. For our listeners who don't know... Steubenville is a town in Ohio that happens to have a university there called Franciscan University of Steubenville. And there's these series of conferences for teenagers across the country. I think there's like 15 or 16, something like that. Well, they're down with COVID, but I think at times they've been up into the 20s across America America. and Canada even. Mm -hmm. And there's a kind of circuits of speakers who are at them and there's a lot of focus on it's Eucharistic focus through mass and adoration and confessions. I mean, we've taken, I've gone with different groups of years to chaperone for mm-hmm. maybe six or seven years now. Yeah. First time as a priest though. And it was, it was blast. First time being up in Rochester. Did you like it up there? I did. I had always been to other Steubenville conferences. I had never been to the Rochester one, but I thought it was great. Um, we were blessed with just an A team of speakers, Sarah Absolutely. Swafford, Sister Miriam, James Heidland, Father were, Johnny Burns. They were very um, cohesive yeah, in their they, teamwork. They fed off of each other. They've been friends for years um, and I've been discussing this with people. You know, I think sometimes conferences, retreats can open up a wound mm. and not necessarily like it does harm, not spiritual harm, but it, it might lead you into um, some self-awareness 
but yet by the time the conference is over, maybe you just haven't had enough time to like get past the self-awareness, mm. you know, to identify a wound, a certain area of ache in your life, maybe a needed healing area for grace. But I felt in this weekend that Sister Miriam and Father Johnny really led us from like the awareness of where we're at, even to some areas of healing and yeah. resolution to move on. Mm. Um, just to leave it kind of in the yeah in the breach there yeah yeah I, I just don't feel like people were left kind of hanging when they came home I, we covered I think spiritually a lot of territory by the way they led the conference uh, so wonderful job to our speakers thanks to all the members of the volunteer staff up in Rochester who pulled this off thanks to Franciscan University out of Steubenville for hosting and organizing these conferences nationwide they're they're bearing a lot of fruit yeah absolutely yeah. really planting a lot of seeds so encouraging too to yeah, for my first year priesthood, coming through this pandemic stuff, not having as much connection with people, being kind of rooted in, where, in my new community in Lamar's, which is good. But to see, I think, what, 1,500 people? 1,500 people there or so? Yeah, by 18, I think. Yeah, and it's just great. like 1,000-plus th- confessions. Yeah. It really gave me a new excitement for ministry, coming yeah. back into it, which is great. No, it's very inspiring. You said rooted. That was a Steubenville uh you know, theme a couple of years ago. Yeah. So yeah, they're always, it's gotta be one word, um, restored, um, elevate. Um, yeah, maybe they might run out of cool, like belong, belong. Yeah. Yeah. They'll keep coming up with them. They're they're biblically based, right? Yes. 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 It kind of takes a a scripture verse and kind of shrinks it down. Right. But it's, it's a nice catchphrase for a a t-shirt logo. It's what it's all, all your merch, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time at Suva. It was, it was a lot of, lot of uh, graces for so many parishes and schools in the diocese. It was. You ready for this awesome segue? So we got? were with a lot of Catholic teenagers, but sometimes in our lives, we're with a lot of other Christians who aren't Catholic. Right. Look at that. You like that? So, so smooth. It's very smooth. Um, I've just been realizing recently that sometimes people who've gone through maybe 13 years of Catholic education who go right into a Catholic university kind of come back out from that experience into a community and are in a parish or something, might not have had a lot of exposure to non-Catholic Christians, uh, Protestant brothers and sisters in particular. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of exposure just growing up in like small town Iowa with a number of different churches in town. Um, in my high school, most of my friends were went to a Baptist kind of non-denominational church, and I would often go to the youth group and was pretty tight with their youth minister. We'd play a lot of frisbee golf together. That's where I got into disc golf. That's where you became your semi-professional. Yeah, absolutely. We've only played like two tournaments, but that's where that's right. where it all started. Um, but I realized so sometimes people struggle with that um, a mutual understanding um, of Protestants and Catholics from both sides. But I've become more and more aware around here in our diocese, there are a few of those kind of bigger, attractive, non-denominational churches, evangelical that, churches, evangelical churches mm-hmm. that have a great draw. Um, of young people away from the church. Mm-hmm. And it seems in the past, um, while you were kind of in your prime in the 90s, I was a small child. My prime. Um, <laughs> it was in high school. Exactly. Was right. that my prime? Peaked, peaked in high school. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. It's been downhill ever since. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think. Graduate from high school. You're a fan and, of the sad trombone. That's well, you know, it comes up pretty easily. It it's does, it's easier to, that, to do that than to find this one, you know. Right, right, right. We need to be funnier. <laughs> Um, what I realized, I think there was a push in apologetics in the past of trying to defend the Catholic faith against evangelical Christians. There was kind of that tension of people being kind of drawn away from the church, kind of poached, if you will, sure, away from the Catholic church. 
However, I've noticed um, in my time through seminary, now in my time as a priest, there, I think, is more of a mutual awareness between Protestants and Catholics that we need to come together in a growingly secular age. Um, growingly? Is that a word? The I think you just made a, par- a, pass- a, a participle into an it, adverb. Like it is growing, right? The process of growing. Wow. Okay. Um, more and more, the world is being <laughs> secular around us. When I was in Kenrick in St. Louis, there was a position called the Ecumenical Liaison. And the Ecumenical Liaison just basically threw the parties after we played the Presbyterians and the Lutherans in soccer. But it's You had that role. Very professional. And I was the Ecumenical Liaison. Yes, congrats. Which I really enjoyed because when you get together in something really simple like playing some soccer and then drinking some beers and eating some chips together afterwards, there's just more like human conversation that can come up. And very infrequently did we just jump to theological disagreements between our different churches. Doctrine and justification right after Frisbee. Yeah, very. Never happens. Doesn't ever ever happen. (laughs) You're basically just talking about, um, and if it does move to that, you're talking about preaching and what's what you're excited about for ministry and what's been some successes and what do you see as some challenges and all this stuff. But I still encounter often in my ministry maybe people who have had different experiences of the Protestant-Catholic relationship in the past who are really kind of afraid of the people who are leaving the Catholic Church and, and joining evangelical churches, non-denominational churches. My experience has been when I hear that, that somebody is in an evangelical church, I'm like, great, <laughs> because that means they're, they haven't left and abandoned Christianity altogether, mm-hmm. like so many young people are. But what I want to talk about is how we clearly need to work together now more than ever as the world around us grows more secular. And as we work together, our similarities are really what come up, but as the differences come up, it helps us understand our faith even more. Not to fight against Protestants with apologetics, but to understand what sets us apart so we can really strive for unity. That's that's what I riff on. And not only striving for unity as brothers and sisters who still, you know, worship and recognize the risen Savior mm-hmm. as our Messiah, but also striving for truth, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in a world that doesn't want truth, in a world that just, just says, you go, you go do you, mm-hmm. uh, and, or truth isn't even possible, so, you know, just go, just go grasp at some shadows and have a good time while you're doing it, mm-hmm. to, to actually grasp for the truth. And, and look at the horizons that happen. You know, Scott Hahn is one of the great examples, right? Starts getting into patristics things, uh, starts doing a lot of reading, and all of a sudden, the questions in a sought-after-truth search uh, sought after truth search. Seems we had like all redundant. sorts of fun words today. We're tired, folks. Yeah. We're tired. Anyways, when you're searching after the truth, as so many converts have shown, you start peeling back the onion layers and you start d- diving into more and more questions. Other ideas surface, more connections are drawn out, and all of a sudden you start to find yourself in this holistic form of truth uh, that was so much broader than what you knew at, at the beginning of your study. Right. Um, and, I, and Christians have to unite and, and join in one another in that common quest for truth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's this um, understanding in theology and philosophy of these different transcendental properties of being, which would take a long time to really hash out. But you just mentioned one of them, truth, goodness, and beauty. Right. Bishop Barron has spoken so often, and we've talked about this, kind of making the first move that of goodness or beauty because people can get really tied up with truth. But I think all three of those are so attractive today because the secular kind of world just leaves a huge void of all three of those, Mm -hmm. um, of truth, goodness, and beauty. And I look back to my experience of high school 
and the attraction to my Baptist friends came through, I think, a lot of those. There was this attraction to the goodness, I think, first, looking at these just virtuous friends, these virtuous people who, who weren't just, I think, giving into the, um, the status quo of high school students and just going along with whatever the flow was at the time of whatever people were doing on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But we're taking this step of, no, no, a relationship with Jesus is actually can change my life. And I remember being so attracted to how, how good those people were. And there was a beauty that came with it too. And as we'd worship together and praise and worship at the youth groups and stuff like that, I saw young people who had a relationship with Jesus. That stirred up in me a desire for that same goodness, that same beauty. But then the truth came for me a little bit later as I dug into it. I was in confirmation preparation at the same time in early high school. And I realized, well, there's something good here. But if that's the case, if I'm seeing something good here, well, what have I been raised with? What is this goodness that's present in my faith? And it was through that process of digging a little deeper. Um, and that, that was around the same time when I started hearing a call to the priesthood and kind of starting to discern that and to learn how to pray with Scripture but it allowed me to dig deeper into my own faith. So it's when you encounter the goodness that's present in another, in another group, in another Protestant denomination, another group of Christians who are in love with Jesus and seeking a life of virtue following him, that demands that you look at your own experience of Christianity. That's what happens so infrequently, I find. Mm-hmm. For Catholics who leave, or for uh, Catholics who leave the faith altogether, who leave the church for a Protestant denomination, or non-Catholic Christians who just abandon the faith altogether. There's this, you see something, either the, the via negativa, or you see something that you want outside of your experience. And the it seems like the contemporary move is just to abandon what your experience is, instead of digging deeper to understand, well, what do I actually have here in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well said, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. A um, couple of thoughts come to mind. For any of our you know listeners right now, faithful Catholics who are getting, you know, filled with anxiety, we're not suggesting, (laughs) you know, that Christianity is all relative. Mm. We're not suggesting that one Christian church is just the same as the other. Go find whatever floats your boat, right? You know, as faithful Orthodox Catholic priests, we really do believe that the fullness of the church subsists in the Catholic church as the Second Vatican Council teaches. And at the same time, we have to recognize that God is not bound to only operate within the Roman Catholic tradition. He's not bound to only operate within the seven sacraments administered by the church, right? Mm -hmm. He's powerful enough to work outside of that. And he's he's been working in Protestant communities. uh, And that cannot be unnoticed. Uh, And we can, that can, you know, be a pause and a moment's pause for rejoicing to see, look at the splendor of God working in other ways. And hopefully, you know, God is doing all of that as we, as we know he always does pulling us all together, uniting us towards his Son in the power of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere anywhere that God's grace is manifest, this is also ultimately glorifying him, and it's going to build up his church in the long run. Right. Right? So what I want to say is for those who, for those who feel that tension like you're mentioning, that you're seeing, especially young adult, I think, college, post-college, young adult Catholics leaving their church communities to go to evangelical Protestant churches— Maybe that's not happening as much as it has in the past, but it's still happening in places. The first move should be to realize why are they attracted to that? Not to bash it or to say it's terrible because they're leaving for a reason. Uh, what's that reason? What's the, what's the good that's happening there? Two books and kind of studies come to mind, one being Rebuilt. Mm-hmm. That was written from the pastor in uh, Maryland, I think, in right. Divine Renovation from up in Canada. 
both of them realized that the, the, these three things that people are attracted to, very practical, but it was uh, hymns, homilies, and hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I think Rebuilt said message, music, and ministries or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really helpful to see what is the good that people are attracted to. The, because the, this, the step of truth needs to happen, of to understand, well, what is the fullness of our Catholic truth? What has been revealed? What has been passed down through apostolic succession, through the both scripture and tradition that's been revealed to the church? What is our truth? But to focus on what's the goodness and why are people leaving? Because that type of self-examination really helps us make a move to build up our own communities mm-hmm. and to reflect that. We, sometimes we can just re- rest on our laurels of like, well, we have the fullness of truth, so nobody should leave. We have the sacraments. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. No, if the preaching is more convicting, if the music is more inspiring, if the if the community and ministry is life-giving, then and I'm not, not su- cold. And not cold. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all that people would step away from some experiences of Catholicism that I've seen. Sure. Now it takes, it's, it's challenging because we need to rebuild community in some ways, but I've been inspired. My pastor right now has been preaching about the mass and he talked, he's talked about recently about communal prayer and how the Mm -hmm. mass ought to be an experience of community and communal prayer. And then that can um, branch out into the parish life. But if that's the case, then we need to receive that challenge sometimes in our communities. And then as you say, the first move ought to be recognizing the good that's around us, but then immediately go into our own rootedness to yes. say, what is yeah. it that I have? Mm-hmm. Why am I not going to sell out on that right now and actually go deeper into hold on to what I have? Right. And then from that stability of remaining rooted where you're at, appreciating the goodness that might be going on around you, but in your own rootedness to say, we need to build alliances. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, look around, folks. Christianity is losing ground culturally. Christendom has, you know, the ship sailed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Christians need to unite more than ever. I mean, I just wonder how many Catholics and Protestants can just stand out in the driveway, talk to their neighbors, and just, especially here in the context of the Midwest, just say, you know, wow, it's not, it's not always easy to practice our Christian virtue, you know, and yes, maybe there's some theological differences that divide, you know, neighbors in terms of their religious backgrounds, but to build alliances to say there's much more that unites us culturally and theologically and spiritually uh, that we can support and bond with one another. uh, And to say that Christ needs to reign supreme in this culture once again. Right. And those alliances have to bring that to fruition. Right. Two things that are coming to mind in that regard. Um, there's a great shout out, and I don't know if anybody listens, but in Lamar's is a there's a coffee shop, Bellissimo. Um, it's nothing to do with Italy, just with, as an Italian name. Bellissimo, exactly. Okay. It's so beautiful there. in Plymouth County. In Plymouth County, <laughs> but uh, the couple who own the par- the the um, the coffee shop, they're just really faithful Christian couple, and it helps that I wear a collar because that's this outward sign of who I am and my identity as a priest and minister of Christ. But they so openly speak about their relationship with Jesus. And when I asked something as simple as, how did you get into owning a coffee shop? She, she immediately took the step to talk about her relationship with Jesus and how it was this invitation from the Lord. And, and I was so inspired as I walked away from that. One, because I had just drinking espresso and was very excited. Which is always inspiring for you. Extremely inspiring, right? Yes. The Holy Spirit was working. But then also realizing how joyful is that, that in this small town, we don't share the fullness of the same faith. But we were so we were just able to speak about the Lord, in in a coffee shop, mm-hmm. out and about in town. Um, that was beautiful. The last thing I want to say is for those who might have, feel like they're on the fence, or who have family on the fence, 
of being so attracted that you're feeling drawn away from the Catholic faith. Do you know the Catholic faith that you have to, to leave that? Because if you're going to make a real departure from something, you ought to know what you're leaving first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so, so few people actually know what, what is there to, to leave that. I, I think back to my home parish, and I love my home parish. It doesn't exist anymore. But uh, my home parish of St. Columkills in Verina was a tiny, tiny, tiny Catholic community in a town of 60 people with the surrounding farming families. Mm-hmm. Of course, the experience of that parish life is going to be very different than a megachurch in a, in a, in a bigger uh, population center. Naturally. Absolutely, right? <laughs> so it's very easy to look at uh, kind of a localized experience of the church like that, small, uh, dying community, not a lot of people live there, and to say, well, that's the Catholic church, and to find some other church because of its placement in whatever town, population center, might just have more life there, to say, like, well, clearly that's better than the Catholic faith because this is my experience. We need to know what we have before we try to step away from that. So just an encouragement to dig in deeper to the faith. Mm-hmm. And, and to unpack the treasury that so many Catholics have not yet stepped into and immersed themselves in. Mm-hmm. A, a rich treasury of, of spiritual truths, um, biblical principles, everything that can you know, lead you to the gift of salvation. Absolutely. Right? Protestants are our friends. We need to know more about our Catholic faith. And... Um, <laughs> Good job with the <laughs> cue up the outro. Just trying to get that outro music. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Keep praying for unity in the church and know more about your faith. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time and God bless. <laughs>